From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Once again, we count it a privilege to welcome you to another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, presenting a series of studies on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, as found in his collection called Morning and Evening. This morning's text is found in Isaiah chapter 33 and verse 21. The glorious Lord will be unto us a place of broad rivers and streams. Broad rivers and streams produce fertility and abundance in the land. Places near broad rivers are remarkable for the variety of their plants and their plentiful harvests. God is all this to his church. Having God, she has abundance. What can she ask for that he will not give her? What want can she mention which he will not supply? In this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto all people a feast of fat things. Do you want the bread of life? It drops like manna from the sky. Do you want refreshing streams? The rock follows you, and that rock is Christ. If you suffer any want, it is from your own fault. If you are straitened, you are not straitened in him, but in your own heart. Broad rivers and streams also point to commerce. Our glorious Lord is to us a place of heavenly merchandise. Through our Redeemer we have commerce with the past, the wealth of Calvary, the treasures of the covenant, the riches of the ancient days of election, the stores of eternity, all come to us down the broad stream of our gracious Lord. We have commerce, too, with the future. What galleys laden to the water's edge come to us from the millennium? What visions we have of the days of heaven upon earth! Through our glorious Lord we have commerce with angels, communion with the bright spirits washed in blood who sing before the throne. Nay, better still, we have fellowship with the Infinite One. Broad rivers and streams are specially intended to set forth the idea of security. Rivers were of old a defense. O beloved, what a defense is God to His church! The devil cannot cross this broad river of God. How he wishes he could turn the current, but fear not, for God abides immutably the same. Satan may worry, but he cannot destroy us. No galley with oars shall invade our river, neither shall gallant ship pass thereby. Come, Christians, joy to sing, the praise to Christ our King. Let all with heart and voice before His song in praise rejoice. 
As believers in Jesus Christ seek to witness to the unsaved, they are frequently met by a variety of questions. These might include such queries as, Why did Christ have to be God? Did God create evil? Or, How do we know that the Bible is the Word of God? Dr. Cairns answers these and many other questions on a DVD presentation called Q&A with Alan Cairns. In all, Dr. Cairns responded to over 50 such concerns. We're happy to be able to provide you, free of charge, a DVD containing all of these video portions, about five hours of guidance from God's Word for problems which face the 21st century Christian. You may have a copy simply by requesting it. Just ask for the DVD, Q&A with Alan Cairns. You may email us at info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. You may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. If you wish, you may write us at Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Here's an excellent way to provide scriptural answers to family and friends regarding the challenging questions facing believers in this day. Today, Dr. Cairns will conclude the message dealing with the work of the Holy Spirit in regeneration. The text is John 6, verse 63, where the Lord Jesus Christ said of the Spirit, It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. We've seen that the Spirit's work in regeneration is a necessary act, for man can do nothing to save himself. Also, it is a gracious act. No man deserves salvation Yet God is pleased to save sinners, to give eternal life to those who deserve eternal damnation. Furthermore, regeneration is a sovereign act, for no man can command the Spirit of God. But where the Spirit works, regeneration is an effectual work, for it never fails to save the sinner. Finally, Dr. Cairns will emphasize that this is a productive act— enabling the believer to enjoy holiness, righteousness, and victory over the world. Now, Dr. Cairns will conclude this message, The Work of the Holy Spirit in Regeneration. Regeneration is a gracious act of God. We didn't deserve it. In fact, the very opposite. We didn't prepare ourselves to receive it. In fact, the very opposite. We were resisting the Holy Ghost. It wasn't because we believed We believe, rather, as the result of this. This is totally the act of God in grace. When I realized that, there was I, a poor, vile, guilty, hell-deserving sinner, 
With every muscle in my body I was striving to oppose God and go to the pit. And yet God, out of the free grace that the Bible reveals, reached down and he saved this guilty soul. I can only say, with Jonah of old, salvation is of the Lord. And I give God the glory. It's a gracious act. That means, thirdly, it's a sovereign act. Verse 8 of John 3, the wind blows where it lists. Now remember, he's speaking under a figure here of the Holy Spirit. Translated into spiritual terms, therefore, what the Lord Jesus is saying is the Holy Spirit moves where he wants to. I like that, you know. He moves where he wants to. The Holy Spirit regenerates according to his own sovereign will. Now let all the demons in hell say we are going to stop the Holy Ghost. They're not stopping. Let all the political and social forces of this age be gathered to say the work of the Holy Spirit must come to an end. They can have all the meetings to decide such things they want. They can exercise all the power that they want. But they can't stop the Holy Ghost. Churches in Russia, you know, are proving that. They're proving it. There you've got a government that has outlawed Bible Christianity. There you've got a government that has gone round churches and has taken all the pastors of those churches and thrown them into jail. And what has happened? God has raised up a pastor for every one that they have incarcerated. And uh, whereas they say particularly, we are going to let this die out with the old people and there must be no young people allowed to be infected with this poisonous doctrine of Jesus Christ. Yet today those services are thronged with young people. Why? Because not all the Kremlin leaders in hell or out of hell can ever stop the work of the Holy Ghost. He's sovereign. The sovereign Spirit of God. This truth seen in many, many scriptures that I don't have time to pursue through this morning. But uh, you sometimes have a look at Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27, where God says, I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to take away the stony heart. I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. I will do it. That's the sovereign act of God. I've already quoted James 1 and 18, of his own will begat he us. That's the sovereign act of God. You've often, I'm sure, read or quoted John chapter 1. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born. Verse 13. Not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That's the sovereign act of the Holy Spirit. In regeneration, this is the statement that sums it all up. In regeneration. Now, in nothing else, just in regeneration, man is absolutely passive and God is absolutely active. And the result of that is that man, regenerated by the Spirit of God, is enabled to be active for God from that point forward through time and throughout all eternity. Furthermore, 
the sovereignty of God is seen from this fact and again this shocks some people regeneration is not accomplished by the use of any means God does not use means to regenerate a soul now don't misunderstand me you might read John Owen for instance a great Puritan theologian and he'll speak about God using means you might read another Herman Witsius I think of him one of the great theologians who spoke of God not using means but using preparation uh, and you say these fellows are all getting tied in knots and they're contradicting each other well it's just a tragedy that as time progresses we're using language in different ways under different circumstances and there's only an apparent contradiction they're speaking of different things let me say this to you let's get this in conversion yes God uses means because conversion comes about as the exercise of faith and God says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God so yes there are means used in almost every part of our spiritual experience but that initial act that brings a dead man to life is the act of God and he does it as we would say in theology immediately with no one in between he doesn't need a mediating human priest he doesn't need a mediating uh, baptism he doesn't need a mediating anything how do you know this from scripture well let me give you the bible second corinthians 4 and 6 god who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ what happened in creation God said let there be light and there was light what happens when a man is regenerated God says let there be light the very light of light and there is light God does it immediately that's regeneration let me give you an illustration John chapter 11 the Lord Jesus was standing at the grave of Lazarus now let me ask you in all honesty how active was Lazarus in raising himself from the dead he wasn't active at all he was lying dead let me ask you something else how did Lazarus cooperate with God in raising himself from the dead he just lay there dead well let me ask you something else then what means did the Lord use to raise Lazarus from the dead no means at all there was a dead Lazarus there was the life giving Christ and Christ commanded Lazarus come forth and in that command there was imparted life and Lazarus came forth that's how the Holy Spirit works in regeneration it is the immediate action of the eternal spirit of God upon the dead soul of man communicating life to him the sovereign act it's the work of God alone that means it's an effectual act 
God commanded, let there be light, was there light? Yes, there was light. When God commands, let there be light in a soul, there is light. It's an effectual act. This is what we call the effectual call. Or irresistible grace. Man, the number of people I have known to get tied in knots over those terms. And they begin to get worried and say, well, have you not said that sinners resist the Holy Ghost? What are you talking about, irresistible grace? Well, let's define our terms very carefully. There is an effectual call. Romans 8, 28 says that we are called according to the purpose of God. Romans 8.29 says, Whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. Whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, them he also justified. Whom he justified, them he also glorified. Now there you have the links in the chain of grace. And I want to tell you there's no break in those links. Whom he called, he justified. Now, here's an effectual call. Everyone whom God calls in this way, he justifies. Now, I admit there is an outward general call of the gospel. Jesus said, Matthew 22 and 14, many are called, but few are chosen. So, there's a general call. And that call, sinners always resist. Proverbs 1:24. I have called you have refused. Sinners always resist the call of the gospel. And if that's all God ever did for a sinner, we would all go to hell. For there's not one of us would ever come at the call of the gospel. But thank God for that irresistible, effectual call where the Holy Spirit works internally and infallibly and leads us to life in Jesus Christ. That makes the work of salvation effectual, as Paul teaches very clearly in Ephesians 3 and 7. God worked in him effectually, so he says, again in 1 Thessalonians 2 and 13. What assurance this gives. How do I know I'll go to heaven? How do I know that? I want to give you the answer that most Christians give. Well, I know I'm going to heaven because I remember the night that I bowed and the tears ran down my cheeks. Now, I'm not mocking that. I thank God for the day I bowed the knee at the cross. And I thank God for every tear shed under the conviction of the Spirit of God. I do not underestimate or undervalue that experience. My friend, I want to tell you that experience could never give me the assurance that I will certainly be in heaven. How do I know I'm going to heaven? Paul says, Philippians 1 verse 6, having this confidence that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it to the day of Christ. That's how I know we'll be in heaven. The new birth is the work of the Holy Ghost, and when he has begun that work, he's going to carry it right through to glorification. Having communicated the merits of Christ to bring me to life, he's going to communicate the merits of Christ to confirm me in life and that for all eternity. What assurance it brings to know that God's work is effectual. The last thing, very, very quickly, for time is gone, 
the work of the Holy Spirit and regeneration is all that I have said. But remember, it doesn't stand alone. It's a productive act. Three things that it produces. You follow them through carefully. Number one, it produces holiness. 1 John 3, verses 6 and 9. Very hard words to interpret. Verse 9 says, If you're born of God, you cannot sin. I'm not going into all the various explanations of those words. But I do believe this. Paul said the carnal mind is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. The old man is never made subject to Christ. And even though you're born again, there's an old nature in there. There's an old bias. There's an old principle of will. And it's never made subject to Christ. Thank God there's a new man. There is that which is the creation of God within you, the new creature. There is a will for Christ. And I tell you, that cannot sin. Cannot sin. Romans 7 shows there's oftentimes a battle in the Christian. But oh, there's always the will in him to be holy. And even when he sins, my, there's a will that condemns his sin, and there's a longing to be holy. There's no man hates himself more than a Christian who feels the Lord. Holiness. Then righteousness. 1 John 2.29 You do righteousness when you're born of God. That's the positive act. You live with a holy attitude. That's one thing. But you do holy actions. What are they? Galatians 5.22 The fruit of the Spirit. In nine particulars. The fruit of the Spirit. Living in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. That's righteousness. And then 1 John 5 and 4. Let this be an encouragement to every troubled Christian. If you're born of God... You have victory over the world. And this is the victory, even your faith. Now notice how the Holy Spirit does it. You're born of God. That gives you a guarantee of victory. But how does it operate? Faith in Jesus Christ. I'm saved by faith. I'm kept by faith. I conquer by faith. And all because of the gracious work of the Holy Spirit, whereby in a sovereign, effectual, gracious and instantaneous act, he brought me to life in Jesus Christ. I trust that you are saved today. You find yourself dead in sin. How does a sinner get saved? I can't see that mysterious act of the Holy Ghost inside the man. But I can command that man to come to Christ. That's the call of the gospel. I trust that God will make it an effectual call and bring you on your knees to ask for mercy. May God bless his word to all our hearts for his name's sake.
You've been listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We are here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. If you would like to receive our booklet, Separated Unto the Gospel, a booklet that sets forth the beliefs and standards of the Free Presbyterian Church, you may have a copy free of charge, simply for the asking. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. Music